and we went through and we just kind of shared the scriptures of prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. I talked about how there were over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament uh, of the Messiah's coming uh, all throughout and just scattered all throughout different books of the scripture of the Old Testament and, and where Jesus fulfilled. In fact, we know for a fact that when Jesus hung on the cross, he fulfilled 27 Old Testament prophecies in one day, and it was the day that he hung between heaven and earth for each one of us. And I think that is such an important thing for us to understand. It's important for us to understand how the Old Testament relates to the New Testament. A lot of people want to throw out the Old Testament and say, ah, we live in the New Testament time. We don't need the Old Testament. No, the Old Testament verifies and shows the fulfillment of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, Christ was always there. He was just kind of concealed. But in the New Testament, Christ is revealed. Y'all get that? And so it's for, important for us to see that. It was important for Jesus to let his disciples know that. That's why after he rose from the dead, that he opened the eyes so they could see the spiritual truth, to see that he, in fact, is and was a Messiah. They could see it by the nail prints on his hands, right, and his feet and his side that was pierced with a spear. But also he would say, hey, listen, Look at the Old Testament. It points to me. It points to the Messiah. It points to the Savior of all mankind. It points to everything. And so I want to encourage you this morning. I want this to be a Christmas for each one of you to remember. Can you, I, want you, I, want you, I want you to have a Christmas that you're so focused on what Jesus did that he just overwhelms you. You know? Like I get overwhelmed sometimes, even now. Jesus overwhelmed me when I realized who he was, when I realized the price that he paid for my sinfulness, when I realized by humbling myself before him and asking him to come and save me because I couldn't save myself. Listen, when I realized all those things in my life, man, he changed my life. I put my faith and trust in him every single day. So every single day I put my faith and trust in him. And there are some days where I might, I might have a little hard time with that. Sometimes things will come our ways. Things will come your way. And it'll rock your boat, so to speak, you know. And it'll try to get you off track. Listen, that's the enemy, the devil. He wants to distract you and keep you from seeing that saving Father, Jesus. Jesus sees everything that's going on. Jesus is, has perfect timing. And we see that through the Old Testament as we talked about last week. And I want you to get that. So if you didn't get it here last week, listen, you can go to the Hills Campus Dot com and you can hear last week's sermon. The Hills Campus Out. Take your bulletin on the front, sign up for, uh, for uh, uh, Faith Life, and sign up for that and see that. And it's really incredible, uh, and it'll help you to catch up. So anyway, do that. So if you look, some of you got boxes last week. If you weren't here last week and you need to get a box, these boxes are for you. We don't have a whole bunch of them, but they're for one per family. And last week uh, we had the... Uh, we have a scroll that was put in there because we went through the scripture of the Old Testament last week. And so I wanted to kind of resemble that because I want you to remember this. I want you to remember all that Jesus had done for you. Everything that God set in order, set in place. I mean, I think about this. I can't help but think about this. And the greatest thing I think about is his creation. I think about all of us. We're in this room here and we think we are sitting still. We think we are sitting here, but actually we're moving at 1,000 miles per second on the axis of the earth as it spins and rotates. It flies through space. Listen, at like 18 miles per second, we are being flung in space. 
We're orbiting the sun at about 57,000 miles per hour. We, do we ever think about that? And our whole galaxy is flying almost a million miles an hour. Our whole galaxy is being flung through the space. God's kingdom has no end. The Bible's very true. We see everything. And listen, God has everything in perfect order, in perfect timing. He's a perfect God and has everything that is perfect uh, set in stone for all of us. So we talked about how he was coming last week, and we were looking at the pronouncement and the anticipation of his coming. This week, we're talking about that he came. Everybody say, he came. Amen. So I want us to pray as we go into the Word of God. And I've got something to add to your little gifts this morning. We're going to get after the service. I've got a little baby for your little boxes that you can put in there. And my little wife put diapers on this thing, these things like crazy. Oh, it was awesome, man. I said, no, they're swaddling clothes. Wow, they're diapers to me. That's, I mean, you know. But anyway, but so anyway, but it's just, it's just, she did, she did. She worked so hard and tedious with it. It was awesome. I love her. And so let's pray this morning that God, listen, I want you to hear from God. Father, Lord, I want them to hear me. I want them to hear you. Lord, I want this for them to be a Christmas to absolutely remember. A Christmas like no other. A Christmas where they can be so laser-focused on the fact that, Jesus, you left heaven's glory. You came to earth. Lord, in the flesh, you came to earth for one reason and one purpose, and that was to seek and to save each and every one of us in this room. Lord, you came here 2,000 years ago. Lord, that 2,000 years ago, you were looking forward and you knew who all of us would be even before we were born. And Lord, and you took those steps. Lord, you, you not only were you coming and you announced the pronouncement of your coming through your precious word, Lord, that you came. And today as we talk about how you came, Lord, that it is a, a supernatural uh, against anything natural that we understand, uh, Lord, this is supernatural and it's a miracle of only that's, that's God-sized proportions, Lord. There's no way mankind could ever do what you did 2,000 years ago on that night when you were born. And so, Father, we just give you praise this morning. It's my prayer, God, that each one of us now will just draw a circle around ourselves. Help us to think about how special that we truly are in the sight of Almighty God, and that you would use us, God, to, one, see, open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear all that the truth of your word has for each and every one of us. God, we give you praise and honor and glory in this house. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that has never been a time that they trusted you as their Savior, I pray, Lord, that tonight, today, this very morning, this very hour, that they would contemplate, Lord, as you squeeze their heart, that they would surrender their life, their will, and their emotions and turn them over to you. For that's why you came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. So, God, we give you praise. We thank you for this time. I thank you for all of our guests that are here this morning. I pray, God, that they experience you in a profound way this morning. And, Lord, just use me. Lord, help me to get out of the way and get in the way, your way. Father, Lord, you speak. Let me be the tool, God, that you designed me to be. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said what? Amen. Amen. So, he came, right? It's about the birth of the king. And I say the king because there are no other true kings. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the God on high. He's almighty. He sits at the Father's right hand. He intercedes for you and for me. There's no one that stands beside him or takes his place ever. 
He is above anything and everything. He is above all things. He stands alone. God stands alone. He's alone. There's no other gods beside him or before him or after him. There is no other gods. And this is why. And he has made himself known. And how did he make himself known? He, he made himself known through the scriptures, the fact that he was coming as a Messiah, and he sent his only begotten son, put on flesh and skin, and son of God walked among men 2,000 years ago. And we have evidence of all this, historical evidence. We have evidence of lives of people that have been changed and transformed. We see God's perfect timing and his perfect order in everything that he does. So he is a special child. The arrival, if there's a shock and awe of his coming, it's there. It's the hope for all of our future. It's our hope for today, but it's also a hope for our future. Listen, church, I want you to listen. This is my intro. God's desire is for each of you, each of you this Christmas, to be encouraged at how God in his sovereignty so miraculously and meticulously orchestrated every single event for each of us. Think about this for a minute. This is mind-blowing. If I had a little, my little emoji that has my mind blowing, I would do mind-blowing. So it is, I mean, really, think about this. That is what he has done. He has got everything in perfect order. There is nothing that is out of order except us and our sinfulness. We're out of order. And that's why we've got to have that, we've got to operate in that fruit of the Spirit that God has foreordained. We need to operate in his love. And joy, and peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All those things are the attributes of that fruit of the Spirit that as the believer is supposed to demonstrate every day of their life. You see, it's not about any one of us. It's got to be all about Him. And Christmas is all about Him. It's all about what He did. It's all about what He's doing. And it's all about what He's going to do. And He wants us on His team. He wants us to be there because, listen, there's a lot of people that are not on the team. There's a lot of people yesterday that would refuse the Bible yesterday. There were people that refused the Bible. We don't want that. Some of my guys gave it to them anyway. <laughs> I don't know. But here's the thing. Anything we do, we've got to do it in the right spirit, in the spirit of love, in the spirit of gentleness, in the spirit of humility. You know, they're blinded. They just don't see the truth. And all we can do is love them. Show, demonstrate God's love through the, our acts of kindness and our love for them. They can't take Jesus away from us. He's there. You can lose a limb and a leg, whatever. You can't ever take Jesus away from you. Jesus has sealed us, and to the day, he does what? He takes us home. So if you're a Christian, you Christ is your Savior, man, you're saved for eternity. Your name's already in his book called the Lamb's Book of Life. It can never be blotted out. It can never be erased. It can never be subtracted, ever. Jesus sealed you forever. And that should be bring joy to our hearts every single time. Listen, he meticulously orchestrated every event for each of us in his time and space to inform us how? By his word, to guide us how? By his Holy Spirit that fills us when we get saved. To fulfill his plan. This is why he did it. To fulfill his plan and purpose with all of us. Individually and collectively together. Ultimately to what? To bless each and every one of us. All for his glory, right? But also for our great good. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful? You should be encouraged, man. As we complete the year 2019, listen, 
let, it's been my desire and pray for this fellowship here, each and every one of you throughout this year has been, and still is, to have intimacy with him. Intimacy. We need intimacy with Jesus. See, following Jesus isn't about religion. It's about a relationship that we have that's personal and ongoing. Every single day, when we can spend time with Jesus and we can be bathed in his love, that when you reach out to him, and when you can open up the word, and that he just fills your heart. You experience that? I hope you do. If you don't, it's because you're missing out. Get in the word of God. Let the word of God get in you. Let God use you. Let God speak to your heart. He has something for you to hear. He has something for you to say. He has something for you to do. And don't wait. Don't go to the grave full of potential when you're supposed to empty all of your potential. You're supposed to go to grave empty, not full of anything that God gave you. So don't hold on to yourself. Don't hold on to what, how God designed you, how God made you. God is a wonderful God, and he has something for all of us. That's why it was a joy from my heart yesterday to see us do this float, to see us go and minister and look in the faces of the eyeballs of people and little kids and adults and parents and family members. They need to know that there's a church in their community that truly loves them for who they are, not to judge them at all, not ever to judge them, but to welcome them to the cross to point them to Jesus, the one who can save them, the one who can make their troubles and turn them into tribulation. God loves us so much. And we just have to capture that this Christmas season. We need to capture it. For you, for you to know that God is perfectly and profoundly involved in every area of your life. He really is. He desires our attention and commitment to him first and most above everything. Above everything. He, listen, it's not that he is a dictator. He is not a dictator in that sense of the word that we understand dictators, but he is God. He is holy God. He is high and lifted up. The Bible said the train of his robe would fill the temple. People would be in awe of him. When John was taken to heaven, the book of Revelations, and he, and he was faced with Jesus, it says he fell as a dead man. Listen, that's what we're going to be. When we see Jesus face to face, I got a feeling we're all going to fall dead people. But we're going to be so humbled because, Lord, oh, listen, we know it's true. We know who he is. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to take his hand, gently put it on our shoulder and say, don't be afraid. You still get up. Man, listen, my son paid for you to be here with me. And listen, and that's going to be a wonderful time for each and every one of us. A wonderful time. So he, through this Christ child, has come to seek and to save you and I and the whole of creation, humanity, who put their faith and trust and hope in him and allegiance to him. We all need Jesus. Desperately, we need Jesus. Every day, we need Jesus desperately. And he came. He came. He came. Let's see exactly how God moved heaven and how God moved earth. Listen, and people, and God moved nations. Listen, of people to bring this about. There were a lot of things that were orchestrated. I picture God up there as the master conductor. He's just orchestrating everything that's happening on this earth. He's orchestrating you. He's orchestrating me. He's orchestrating us as we follow him. And his time is fulfilling all kinds of things in all of our lives. 
We learned last week that all the Old Testament prophecies leading to the coming Messiah, as we look back from the future, we can, we have, they have all been fulfilled in Jesus and his coming. Listen, these prophecies should fill us with awe and wonder of our Savior. We should be full of awe and wonder. We should, the fulfillment should convince even the most skeptical among us. When we see the fulfillments of these prophecies, it should be, give us assurance and rock-solid hope that, listen, there is a life beyond this life. There is a hope beyond this hope. And his name is Jesus. God has made him known to the world. They know what? That Jesus is the Messiah. He is the everlasting living God. He is the Son of the living God. He is the incarnate Word. He is the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among all of us. How awesome is that? We also learned that long ago, before the prophet spoke, that God in his sovereignty, listen, being large and in charge, that's what I like to say, he's large and in charge, he put up a signpost in the Garden of Eden. Remember, we talked about that last week a little bit. It pointed directly to the means by which his son would be born. God's merciful and masterful plan to what? Restore his relationship with the human family. Himself taking the form of a man, the God-man. This was God's declaration made in the wake of Adam and Eve's sinfulness. And here it is in Genesis 3.15. Let's read it together. He says, I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. But God, as recorded in Genesis 3, referred to the supernatural process when he promised that the serpent, Satan, would be defeated by the seed of the woman, not the seed of any man. Not the seed of any man, the seed of a woman. Scripture foretold that same supernatural process again 700 years before God was born as a child when the prophet Isaiah said this, and we read this last week too in 714. He said, therefore the Lord himself will what? Give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Man, there's a whole lot of stuff in that little pit of scripture. And we're going to touch on that a little bit this morning. What striking words... The virgin will conceive. And we know that virgins don't conceive, do they? They don't. Think about this. They don't. The egg is of a woman. A woman produces an egg. The man produces the seed, right? Together they make a single cell. It's called a zygote. Y'all remember that? Biology, right? So here we go. But God promises something that human history had never seen before and will never, has never seen since. This is what he promised, that a child would be born outside of the natural processes of conception. He would not be born the same way. The Holy Spirit, God himself, would form in the dark oceans of this virgin's womb, forming a child of divine origin. And that's exactly what our God did. Our God can. Our God breathed the world into existence. He spoke it. Right? Let there be light. Let there be plants. Let there be Listen, God can do everything. But that's not his character. I heard it. I heard a. I heard a, a, One of my students up in North Carolina tell my pastor, he said, God could do anything. And the little boy goes up and says, I can tell you something God can't do. Preach. He said, What? He said, Sin. He's like, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. So then next week he had to get up and explain that. So it was kind of cool. 
Listen, this person, listen, this person would bear the identity of God's son because God himself would father his own child. The miraculous moment of conception, that child's human form would develop from, listen, a single cell to 60 trillion cells and would be brought into the world as Emmanuel, which is what? God with us. Isaiah 7, 14, the 700-year-old prophecy was realized and fulfilled in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as we read them, we see the fulfillment of the promises 700 years in advance. We see this. Jesus, listen, that we know and we, and we of all people in the room are without excuse. You've heard the story. You've heard it over and over again. And listen, you're going to stand in front of him without excuse. Jesus was, was conceived apart from the natural process of conception. We should be satisfied that he pretty much had to be God. Right? I mean, who's done that? Nobody. Listen, the Genesis record shows us, in Genesis 3, Isaiah's prophecy shows us the virgin birth of the Messiah. Yes. So what I want to do now is let's begin with the historical record. I want us to fast forward seven centuries after Isaiah's prophecy. 700 years after Isaiah's prophecy. Listen, Matthew reports, listen, from Joseph's perspective. When you look at Matthew and you read the Christmas story, look at that. It's from Joseph's perspective. In other words, Matthew sat down and probably talked with Joseph, and Joseph gave him the deal of what happened during that time. And you can read that, and you can just hear it, see Joseph's what Joseph experienced. And so he writes, so Matthew writes this report from Joseph's perspective, the extraordinary circumstances of the birth of a child called Jesus of Nazareth. Look at Matthew chapter 1, and let's begin by reading verse 21. Remember, this is Joseph's perspective. It says, she will be given. Now an angel had come to Joseph at night in a dream and spoke to him. And this is what was said. She will, be, she will give birth, Mary will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to what? Fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. So we see the perspective from Joseph's perspective in the scripture. Now I'll turn over to Luke chapter 2. Next is the Gospel of Luke. Listen, the careful physician, the historian whose writings have been repeatedly supported by archaeology, records the appearance of the angel Gabriel to Mary and his announcement that she would give birth to the Messiah. Give birth to the Messiah. Luke writes here from Mary's perspective. And I also want you to see how Mary answers the angel with a certain question. I want you to see that as we read through it. So let's look together at Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Now remember, this is Mary's perspective. As if Mary's telling Dr. Luke, this is what happened to me. I want you to see this. In the sixth month, she says, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called what? Nazareth. To a virgin engaged. To a virgin engaged, and listen, this phrase, this whole phrase right here, we're going to kind of park on this this morning. And I want you to get this because there is so much to this 
that I want you to get some kind of a glimpse of how perfect God is and how perfect God is in Jesus and in the life of his people and his nation and the world and how perfect his timing is for each and every one of you. Because you're part of this story. You're part of his story. If you're saved, you're part. If you're not saved, you're still part of his story. Finally sitting here this morning. So make sure you know who Jesus is. So it says here in verse 27, to a virgin engaged to a man named who? Joseph. Of what? The house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. She was a little startled. I think we would be too if this angel showed up. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. So here we have the Son of God. The Son of the Most High. The Son of God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, the Son of Man. You see this? The Son of Man. Give him the throne of his father David, the Son of Man. This is wild. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Jacob is another name for what? Israel. Think about this. Israel, forever. And his kingdom will have what? Church, no end. And then Mary asked the angel, can you imagine a 13-year-old asking her this, asking him that? A 13-year-old, 12, 13, 14 years old, right around that time frame. Think about this. A young 13-year-old. How can this be since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, angel had the answer, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Isn't that wonderful? We have the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary. We just read it. To a virgin. And we talked about how that would happen earlier. We did talk a little bit about how that would happen. Next, we also have the virgin who is engaged to Joseph. Another word would be betrothed to Joseph, right? Engaged, right? And we see this. There's something very special about that. It's a very, very significant, and I'll tell you why. So listen close. Jewish tradition tells us that, listen, a single virgin, think about this, a single virgin that is not engaged or betrothed is just what? Just a single girl. Think about this for a minute. A single virgin, a single virgin, a young virgin, not betrothed, is just a single girl. I want you to get this. But a virgin betrothed is different. A virgin betrothed is different. Jewish tradition teaches that to be espoused, engaged, betrothed is a legally, technically binding marriage. It's a binding marriage, but it's not a physically fulfilling marriage. In other words, they are married legally, but they have not been intimate. A, a betrothal in, in the uh, 
in the Jewish tradition. They are engaged, listen, for a short time before the physical happens. Yet they are legally married. She lives with her own father until the day comes for the actual wedding. And that's what she does. There are three categories that we see here. We see the single that is not betrothed or engaged. Then we see the betrothed but no physical contact. And then we see and fully married technically and physically. Fully married. That's when you have both elements. Now follow me. This is good. Now betrothal today in the modern Jewish ceremony is much, much different than it was in the ancient years ago. I'm going to tell you what they do. They still hold on to the tradition of being betrothed, but it's much, much different. There are two glasses of wine at their ceremony. The first glass is a betrothal or an engagement wine, and they drink it together. The second glass is the wedding, and that's what they do today. In ancient days, you did that far apart. They were betrothed. And maybe a month or months would go by before they were, the actual wedding took place. And during that time, there was no physicality between the groom right, and the bride. There was none. But they were legally married. That's important in this story of what Jesus did in his timeline. God is perfect, and he has the answer to do everything that he needs to do. Y'all with me? All right? So in the ancient days, you didn't do that far apart. Today, however, because... Listen, here's what happens today. Because there are no separations between the bride and the groom before marriage. We all know that, right? We, we, all, we see that in our own life. People living together and all kinds of stuff. Listen, between couples, listen, today, however, because there's no separation between couples, you do it in just five minutes. You drink the first glass, you drink the second glass. And you know why they did that? To hold on to the Jewish tradition of the past. Think about this for a minute. Follow me. This gets gooder. So here's my question. So why don't they, or why, don't, why do they need to do that anymore? Why do they need, why don't you need to do it anymore to do the betrothal? Because, here's the reason. Because that betrothal or engagement was only necessary for one person to be born. Hear me. For one person to be born. There had to be one time in history when a woman who was both physically a virgin but legally married had to give birth to a child, Jesus. Follow me. If it had been only a single virgin girl giving birth, it would not have fulfilled the prophecies because the child could not have had the rights to the throne of David. No way. Because there's no father with a single virgin woman. She was betrothed. Now think about it. Follow me. Because the father had to be a descendant of David to, listen, to give the child the legal authority to sit on the throne of David. So, if they would have been fully married, they could not have passed it on because God would have to have a virgin so the child would be born of the Holy Spirit. So they couldn't have been fully married because that would have meant physical contact with one another. So that wouldn't have worked. It would have been defiled. It would not have been holy. Would not, she would not have been a virgin. So that didn't work. So it's impossible to happen, and that's what God wanted everyone to think. Think about this. So my question is, but 
What would happen if there was a virgin girl, legally married, but not physically consummated, right during that time period, and God touches her, bringing a miracle, and gives a child? What would happen? Then that child, listen, will have legal rights to the throne of David through the father because they're married legally. But be born of the Spirit of God miraculously through the mother because she is still physically a virgin. And it's amazing that none of these prophecies could come to pass if the woman was either a wife or a single virgin. Y'all catch that? So my question, another question is, so how could you have a son of God born of a virgin and a son of David also of the line of David? There's only one answer. Only if it was in the right period, in the right period of time. For that woman had to be legally married, not physically consumed, so that the child could be born. Physically of God, legally of the line of David. Mary could not be a virgin in biblical sense unless she had been betrothed. The betrothal, the engagement was vital to what God was trying to do. It was essential for God's perfect timing of the Christ child. But only if we find ourselves intimate with holy God through Jesus. Mary was intimate with God, listen, before she ever became pregnant. God found her, what? She was highly, what? Favored among women. She was blessed and highly favored at 13. She obviously was in a position under God that he would have chosen her to fulfill his plans for her life and subsequently all of yours and mine today. Every single one. So why don't we trust him? Look at Joseph. He also had a real relationship with God. Also like Mary, even before the angel came and spoke to him, he struggled with this whole deal about her being pregnant. He struggled with it. God will never, and remember this, you might want to write this down, God will never ask you to do anything that you cannot fulfill. But some of you will never know because you don't let go and trust in him. You need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path absolutely straight. See, God's perfect timing is perfect. And sometimes we worry about things we don't need to worry about. Amen? We do. I mean, look at the intricacies, meticulously, how God set the stage for this child to be born. In a betrothed setting, Joseph, you go down through the lineage, you see Joseph is of the line of David. You see that. It's in there. In order for him to take the rightful throne over Israel, he had to be of the line of the lineage of David. And God orchestrated it that way. Orchestrated There's no need for betrothal today. Because God set it up for that one moment in time, 2,000 years ago, that, that they would become pregnant. Listen, he is perfect. He loves you. It's you he loves. If you were the only one on the planet, he would love you the same. He demonstrated that love in his sacrificial offering of his only begotten son, Jesus, who we are talking about this very moment. That powerful baby of God. 
that son of God, that ruler of the universe orchestrating your little life and mine. Think about it. You in him, and he is in you, walking with you, beside you, ahead of you, behind you. God is with us. Come on. we got to give it up. We've got to allow your life and my life to be consumed with the Savior who gave his life as a ransom for what? For all of ours. Please don't forget all that God had to orchestrate. Listen, to bring that precious little baby into existence. He is orchestrating your life the same way. I want you to be counted among the numbered in heaven. In order to be counted among the number in heaven, you've got to know Jesus as your Savior first. And also, right along with it, he needs to be your Lord as well. Jesus needs to be your Savior, and he needs to be your Lord today. Don't leave here without Jesus being your Savior. That's the reason that you're in this room. If you don't know him, you never trust him as Savior, the reason you're sitting here right now is you're going to stand before him one day with no excuse. And I don't want you to stand with no excuse. I want you to stand before him and say, Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for me and I trusted in you back in this time frame at the Hills Campus Church or wherever you were. And you can say, God, I know I'm sealed until the day of redemption. I know I'm sealed. I know, Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I trusted you with all my heart, all my life, all my soul, all my strength. I gave my life over to you some time ago. All of it. Don't make it hard on yourselves, folks. You must get out of your own way. We all have to get out of our own way. I have to get out of my way. I get in my way sometimes. Even as a pastor, I get in my way. I get all poor, pitiful me. Look at me. Why has it got to be this way? But God, listen, he's perfect. And he perfectly saves you you allow him. He's already done the work. What's beautiful about that is 2,000 years ago, he hung on the cross for all of us in this room, whether we know we're saved or we're not. He did the work already. Your sins, saved or lost, are already on his body. He already died on the cross 2,000 years ago. This is why the apostle Paul said, I am what? Crucified with Christ. He said that in the future, looking back. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but who? Christ who lives in me. Does Christ live in you? Do you know you're crucified in the past? Do you know your sins were given to him on the cross 2,000 years ago? Listen, he did that. He made it so simple. You just got to believe that he did it for you. Believe that he did it for you and for me. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to come into your heart. Ask him this morning, don't wait, don't leave here. Make this a Christmas to remember for all eternity. Make it remember. So when we get up in heaven, we're sitting around in the big holy huddle, we're like, uh, 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 yes, you're here, we're here, we're here, we made it, we're here. There's the Lamb. Man, we're on our face before the Lord, we're praising him, we're thanking him, we're looking at the nail prints in his hands and his feet, and we're saying, Jesus, thank you for saving me, for delivering me. I was hard. I look back. Now I look back and it wasn't so hard. You ever do that? You ever go through areas of problems in your life and you make it through? And then you look back and you go, that wasn't so tough. How many have done that? I mean, I do that. 
You go through something really hard. It's like really hard. You really don't want to do it. You don't want to get there. You don't want to go through it. But sometimes to get to it, you've got to go through it. Right? You've got to. It's in front of you. You've got to go through it. But man, when you get on the other side and you look back, and you all know what I'm talking about, most of you, you've been through it. But you look back and your faith and trust in God is even stronger because you saw his finger on your heart and in your situation and your problem. Listen, young people, listen. God is the real deal. Jesus is truth. And Jesus wants to bring us all home together. And one day we're going to be with him. And listen, and Denise and I are going to be with you and you're going to be with us. And we're going to be with him. That's going to be one Christmas celebration, right? <laughs> Who needs thinking presents, right? We got the ultimate present, King Jesus. Let's keep him the focus of why we do Christmas. Explain it to your kids. Explain it to your grandkids. Some of you explain it to your great-grandkids. Amen? I want us to go to the Lord in prayer right now. For every head bowed and everybody closed, I want to thank you. We're going to get set up for baptism, Brother Cameron. And during this time, though, as he's going back to get prepared, I'm going to slip out and get prepared. But I want to thank you for being here this morning. And it's my prayer that none of you got confused this morning about what I was talking about. I pray the Holy Spirit speak to your heart that you see how special the birth of Jesus was and how perfect the time. And in other words, God is so perfect, he's even perfect where you're concerned in your own little life. He wants you to know him better than you know yourself. He wants you to know him, but you've got to, you've got to reach out to him. You've got to lay down your life to him. You've got to surrender your will to him. You've got to let him be Jesus of your life. And the only way to do that is you've got to trust in him as Savior first. You're not going to hear anything except you come to confession and repentance. In other words, you have to come to him and say, I can't do this, Lord. I believe you died for me. By the faith that he gives you, he gives every one of us faith. If he's squeezing your heart right now, that's faith. That God is speaking to your heart to say, let go and give it to me. So it's my goal up here. I don't want to make you a Baptist. That's the last thing I want to do. I want to see you saved by the blood of the Lamb that you believe that he shed his blood on the cross for your life. Ask him to come into your heart. Have that blood applied to your sin. He already did it for you 2,000 years ago. You just got to receive that gift. It's a gift. It's a free gift. It's free. He's not asking anything for it. He said, just receive it. And when you receive his gift of everlasting life through his shed blood, you receive it and you put it on, Listen, he says, I cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's why he shed his blood to wash away your sin. Ask him to come into your heart and life and to change you right now. Say, Jesus, I'll listen to Pastor Phil, and I believe, Lord, that you died for me. Come into my heart right now. I ask you, Lord, to save me. I've never done this before, but, Lord, I'm doing it this morning because I want to make this a Christmas to remember because, Lord, now I truly see that you are the Son of God, that you came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. At 33 and a half, you died on a cross 
and you came dying on a cross so that I could be saved today. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Wash away my every sin. I trust you today alone as my Savior. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for taking away my sin. Help me, Lord, to chase after you, Jesus, with all my heart and to turn away from all my wrongdoing that I've done. Help me to leave it behind. Help me to leave the stuff and the junk and the funk, in some cases the friends, and turn around and chase after you, Jesus, with all my heart. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me this morning. In Jesus' name. Now, without anybody looking around, if anyone prayed to receive Christ as Savior this morning, I just want nobody's looking. I want you just to raise your hand so that I can see that you made a decision this morning. Anybody in the Lord's house made a decision? Amen. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. Amen. You raised your hand and you trust in Jesus your Savior, then you are saved as much as this pastor standing in front of you is saved. You can't get saved any better. You asked him in your heart, in your life, your sin is washed away. The Holy Spirit comes inside to lead you and to guide you in all truth. I want to encourage you to tell somebody that you made a decision for Jesus so we can tell you what you need to do next. Amen? My Christian brothers and sisters, I pray that this morning's message would touch your heart and let you take the specialty of this Christmas season and, Lord, that it would make it something special to remember for all of us as we pray for our friends, as we pray for our families and our neighbors and whoever we meet, may we share the story during this time, this appropriate time to share the greatest message on the face of the earth, that Jesus, you came, you came, and you came to seek and to save me and everyone in this room and all of humanity, and I praise you for it all, for it's in Jesus' name, and all God's children said what? Amen. Amen. I want you all, if you can sit tight, what we're going to do is, I've got, some of you didn't get a little box like this. I want you to get one. And those of you that have a box, I've got two baskets up here. I'm going to put one on this part of the stage. And it's got a little baby in it that you've got to add to your basket, okay? Your little box at home, all right? So I want to encourage you, if you want to come up and do that now while we're getting ready, feel free to do that. And then we're going to have a baptism celebration. know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down eating your soul I know a place where mercy flows take the stains make you whiter than snow like a tide it is rising up deep inside a current that moves and makes you come alive living water that brings a dead to life we're going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to pray. Let's get washed by the water, washed by the 
seen it move in my own life Took me from dusty roads into paradise All of my dirt, all of my shame Drowned in the streams that have made me born again Like a tide, it is rising up deep inside a current That moves and makes it come alive in vain water That brings a dead delight
told him before, I said, sometimes I like to make sure people... Trembles at his force. How great. 